Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Stephen Whitaker talks to us about forgiveness and how it relates to Jonah's story, especially in Jonah chapter 4. We look at what forgiveness is and how God's forgiveness empowers us to forgive others. Stephen challenges us to think about who Jesus has placed on our hearts to forgive and what relationships in our lives need to be restored. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey guys, how are we doing tonight? Perfect. No one was listening. We'll try it one more time. How's everyone doing tonight? There it is. That's what we wanted to hear. Awesome. I'm so glad that you guys are doing well tonight. Uh, my name is Stephen Whitaker. Uh, I'm one of the small group leaders here, and I love being a small group leader here. I'm with a group of senior boys, and I love them so much. They're so good. Uh, they're so funny to be around, and I just enjoy teaching the Bible to them and living life with them. It's just so awesome to walk through life with them. And I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to continue to use uh, a gift of mine, which I think is teaching by being up here and talking to you guys uh, through, through a sermon that I've prepared. So if you guys don't mind, go, go to your Bibles, whether on your phone or if you actually have the physical copy with you, go ahead and go to the book of Jonah. Uh, we won't be there for a while because uh, I'm going to talk a lot and walk us through Jonah, but we will eventually uh, read uh, scripture to here and there, and it's going to be, I think, really helpful and fruitful for us. So yes, Thanksgiving is upon us, and I'm so excited about Thanksgiving because one, I finally get to rest from work for a little bit, but also best part is I just get to spend time with my family and friends. I, my wife and I, we just hosted a Friendsgiving this past Wednesday, and it was so happy and so good. T-Dog was there, Frank was there, Jake, Jake wasn't there, my bad, so sorry, Jake. Uh, Frank was there, we should have called it Thanksgiving. that made me so happy to hear that, that was so good. But uh, I love Thanksgiving because I get to spend time with my family, and I don't know about you guys, maybe you think of the other great things that you get to do with your family. One, obviously, eat all the great food, right? At least I hope that you guys are eating great food, like turkey, oh, mac and cheese. That's my, that's my favorite. Is anyone mac and cheese fans in here? Yeah, let's go. Mac and cheese all day. I feel like that makes Thanksgiving. Then there's also other great things like, oh my gosh, green bean casserole. Bethany makes a great green bean casserole. It was so good. Add bacon to anything and it's way better. I'm just saying. Anyways, Green bean casserole, pecan pie, you got all these things. But then you also got your own family traditions that you guys have, have with your families. I know that some families, they every single year, they have like a Thanksgiving bowl. So they play football with one another every single year. I think that's kind of fun. Uh, obviously, what my family does and what all of your family should do, a, a very normal Thanksgiving Day tradition, karaoke. We, get, we eat, and then after we eat, we obviously take our naps because the turkey coma is real. And then right after that, you karaoke. And if you don't karaoke, you're doing Thanksgiving wrong. I'm just being honest. You should put this into your routine. It's so funny. I think Abigail and I, I think we should do like Shallows from A Star is Born this year. I'm just saying, duet though, that. I think that'd be great. Anyways, enough about that, but karaoke is so much fun. And I think one of the things that karaoke brings out is this love that... I have for these people that are related to me. We just get to enjoy each other. We get to be fun and silly and laugh with one another. And I think that at the heart of that is what we want with relationships. We want good and healthy relationships in which like, we can interact with our family and not only our family, but our friends as well, and even strangers, and we can have great interactions with them, those that are full of joy and happiness. But 
if, if even we take just the next minute to think about our relationships with those people, you can even start to realize the, the bad parts about relationships. Because un- unfortunately, we're, we're not perfect, and we do hurt people. We hurt people to where there are instances where we lie and we cheat and we steal from others. We bully one another. We insult one another. We hurt one another. We know that relationships aren't where they're at. But this is something that we need and we crave. We need people to be around. We need others. And so how, how do we get there? If we are people that hurt one another and if we hurt one another, then how, how can we get to the spot to where we can restore relationships and have good and healthy relationships with one another? I, th- I think that the answer in the Bible and also the answer for tonight is going to be forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness is a very important part of our lives as Christians, or it should be, and I think it's a very important part of life because we do get hurt, and there has to be, there has to be a response to when you get hurt and dealing with these issues. And forgiveness is a word that we throw around maybe a lot and you've heard about a lot, but the definition that I'm going to use for tonight for it is this, is that restoring relationships by repentance without expectations. Restoring relationships by repentance without expectations. And so I know I need to draw this out a little more and clarify what these mean. So restoring relationships, we know, obviously this means that we know that we hurt one another, that there's some kind of conflict between us and other people, and we have to get to a point back to that. And the way that we get back to that is by restoring relationships. This means that when you get hurt, what it means is restoring is you guys are buddy-buddy again. You are like, no, they're not my brother or sister. Well, restoring means that after you guys resolve that, forgiveness will say that, no, we're brother and sister again. And we're not just brother and sister. We're friends. We're colleagues. Like, we will we'll walk throughout life together. Like, we will do this well. So that's what restoring relationship means. It means that we're all good again. And then this other part of by repenting, this is a key part of of forgiveness because it means that the person that has done the hurting has to say that they have have hurt someone. See, it's not forgiveness if someone goes, uh, yeah, I don't think that what I did is is wrong. If you go, yeah, I, I think that's totally fine. That's just part of your nature. That's just boys being boys. That's just what you were raised with. That's not forgiveness. That's an excuse. And I'm not going to sit up here and go, yeah, we should excuse one another. No, we need to forgive one another. We need to repent of the hurt that we've caused to one another, and others need to repent of the hurt that they've caused to us. So I think that's a very important uh, key of forgiveness as well. And then the last part is uh, without expectations. And this is what, what I mean by this is that if someone steals $5 from you and you, they're like, I shouldn't have done that, I'm so sorry, and you go, yeah, we're all good, you owe me the $5 back, that's expectation. That's you thinking that you should be rewarded for forgiving that person. And that's not what forgiveness is. What we should hopefully, what I'll be able to show us is that the joy and the reward of forgiveness is that the relationship is restored. And that's what we really need because that gets us to this point of having good relationships, good and healthy relationships with one another. And I know, I know that it's hard to forgive a friend that's lied to you. I know that it's hard to forgive your brother or your sister who stole something from you. I know that it's incredibly hard to forgive someone that's bullied you throughout your whole middle school or like throughout all of high school. I know that that's hard. 
I, I know because unfortunately in my own life, I've been that person that's hurt someone. I remember throughout most of middle school and through a small portion of high school, I, I was a bully to this one guy named Matt. Uh, and I would insult him, I would make fun of him, uh, I would pick on him, and not only that, it reached this climax of one point to where when we went to a retreat, just like our epic retreat, we went to Look Up Lodge, and me and another buddy that picked on him, we thought it'd be really funny, and bullying's not cool, but we thought it'd be really funny if we put his mattress in the shower. And not only did we put it in the shower, but our actions encouraged others to turn the shower on and to soak his mattress so that that night he didn't have anywhere to sleep. He didn't have a mattress to sleep on. I, I needed to repent. I needed forgiveness. I know, I can't imagine how hard and difficult it would be for Matt to forgive me. So how, how can we do this? How can we be people that forgive? How can we be people that forgive and make, have good and healthy relationships? I think that the book of Jonah, as I walk us through it, I think it will show us why forgiveness is difficult, at, but how it is possible and how we can learn to do it. So, I get to do a really fun part uh, that I love to do with the Bible, which is just talk about these like little, little bitty small details of everything that's going on in the book of Jonah. We'll eventually get to Jonah chapter 4, verse 9, but I'm going to get us there and show how uh, forgiveness happens and why it's difficult for us. So, book of Jonah, this is great. It opens up, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah the prophet, son of Amittai, and you should stop right there immediately because this is a really fun thing. Jonah's name in Hebrew means dove. So, hopefully all you guys are thinking that gentle as a dove is what's coming to mind. Because then you're like, Jonah should obviously be a gentle dude. And some of you dudes are like, I'm so grateful my name isn't Jonah because I don't want to be called dove. But anyways, you're like, this guy is going to be so nice. He's going to be so kind and gentle. And then not only that, this is so good. His father's name is Amittai. In Hebrew, that means faithful one. That so he's going to be faithful to what God says. This is so good. He's going to be faithful to what God says, and he's going to be so kind and gentle and forgiving to other people. And what do we see in Jonah is that God tells him, hey, arise, go to Nineveh, tell them of the evil they're doing. Tell them that I forgive them, that they've done evil, and that they need to repent, and that I am willing to forgive them. This is essentially what God's saying. And Jonah's like, nope. He's not even doing exactly who his name is. He is not being kind and gentle. He is not being faithful. Right here, he already is unfaithful to what God has called him to do. God tells him to go, run towards the person that you need to restore relationship with and forgive them. Tell them of what they've done. Tell them of the hurt that's happened to you. Instead, Jonah runs the opposite way. I, I need to clarify something, though, that... It is difficult what Jonah is doing because the Ninevites are not nice people. The Ninevites, it's the capital of the Assyrian Empire, which the Assyrian Empire back in the day, uh, take whatever bully that you can think of to your mind and put it on steroids. These guys are terrible. They bully people. They went into people's homes and took them away from families. They separated families and friends. They killed people. These Ninevites don't... Why would they deserve forgiveness out of anyone? These people are terrible. They truly are evil. It's hard to forgive someone that's done this, not just to you, but your friends and family as well. 
But Jonah, when God gives him the opportunity to forgive, he runs the other way. He doesn't just run uh, anywhere, he runs to Tarshish, which I found in the first two sermons I gave earlier this morning is very hard for me to say. Uh, but Tarshish, if you remember on the map, yeah, it sounds weird, doesn't it? I can't say it right still. Uh, but Sorry, guys. Tarshish, on the map in the known world, I should just say it all night long, and we can all laugh. It'll be great. Uh, but Nineveh, if you look at where Jerusalem is, Jerusalem is right here, and Nineveh is east. But if you look at where Tarshish is on the map, it is all the way to the west. Like, it's not just a few miles away from Israel. It is on the other side of the world. Like, a good phrase to think about is, it's all the way in Timbuktu. It is far away. <laughs> Jonah just doesn't do a little running away. He books it. He gets out of there. But I think in these first, this first portion is we already see uh, why it's difficult to forgive. It's because forgiveness says that you can't run away. Forgiveness says that you have to address the hurt and the pain that someone has put you through. And you have to tell them that they hurt you. That they caused you pain. It's it's not easy. It's way easier to run away than to tell someone that you're hurt. It's way easier to sit in your room than restore the relationships of your friends at school or your friends in your neighborhood. It's way easier to run away to a friend's house for home and comfort than to find home and comfort and restore relationships with your own family, with your own mom and dad, with your own brother and sister. It is so much easier to run away to your room and get lost in a video game or a TV show or a movie than it is to go and restore relationships because you have to talk about the pain and the hurt that someone's put you through. And that's not easy. Forgiveness is hard because it means that you cannot run away. It means that you have to run towards the relationship. But picking up where uh, Jonah left us with is he starts booking it to you're welcome, guys, Tarshish. And he starts booking it to Tarshish. And he goes into this boat, and when he gets into the boat, he, uh, when he gets there and it starts sailing away, what actually happens is God is so much, so much wants Jonah to forgive his enemies that God runs after Jonah and he sends a storm, sends a storm to him. And he, when he sends the storm, what ends up happening is obviously Jonah goes, this, sto this storm is only brought about because God, the Lord of heaven and earth, is the one who's sending it, and I'm in the wrong, and I need to repent, and oh my God, I am so sorry for everything I've done. No! Jonah falls asleep. He goes into the bottom of the boat, and he just goes to sleep. He doesn't care the fact that he's hurt God's feelings. He doesn't, hurt, he doesn't care about the fact that he's running away from the possibility of forgiving people. He runs away. And you know what's even crazier in this book? Is that what ends up happening is these people that don't believe in God and that are sailors, which the only thing I think of is mouth like a sailor. These people are not good people. What they do is they take every effort to save everyone around them and so that everyone can live, so that everyone can have relationships with one another, good and healthy ones. And so they throw everything, they throw their livelihood off the boat, and not only that, they start praying to their gods because they realize maybe there's something wrong with me and the one I worship. And Jonah is the one who's sitting in the ship, sleeping. He doesn't, he doesn't care at all. 
I think this shows another thing about us when it comes to forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard because it means you can't be apathetic. And if you don't know the word apathetic, it just means that you, you don't care. You have to care when it comes to forgiveness. You cannot care less. You have to care when it comes to forgiveness. You have to care that the person goes, I am sorry, I did cause you hurt and pain. I am the one who is in the wrong and I want this to be right again. You have to, you cannot be apathetic when it comes to forgiveness. You can't say, no, your apology, nope, it, it doesn't mean anything. I know you, you're gonna go back on your word. I know you, you don't change. I know you, you're, not, you're just saying this because you want something else. You don't mean this. It, it can't mean that. I mean, put yourself in your own shoes. Or, sorry, put yourself in the Ninevite shoes. If Jonah came and said, hey, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, bro, and I did you wrong, and then you as a Ninevite go, you know what, I did do that. I'm sorry for the hurt and pain that I've put you through. And then Jonah goes, cool, I don't believe you. You're wrong. There's no way you're doing that. You're going to ste- ch- still cheat and kill my family once again. I just combine words. It's a fun thing. Try it sometime. Uh, you're just going to hurt me once again. I don't believe anything you say. But not, o- but not only that, take, take another example. Say, say your mom just yelled at you, and she realizes that she's wrong, and she comes up to you, and she goes, honey, I'm so sorry. I should not have done that. That was so wrong of me to yell at you. I'm so sorry. And you go, no, don't believe you, mom. Not cool. <laughs> mom would never yell at you? Man, apparently just my mom. Just kidding. My mom is a saint, Cynthia. Anyways, uh, but it's not only that. Put, put yourself in, Matt, in my shoes. What if I had actually gone up to Matt and said, Matt, I am so sorry for the pain that I caused you. I'm so sorry for bullying you. And he goes, no. You've done this time and time again. You bully me all the time. I don't believe you. For, you can't be apathetic to someone's response. Forgiveness means you cannot be apathetic. You have to care and believe that the Lord has really changed that person and that they really do mean what they say and that they did hurt you and that they're sorry for that and they want to restore things. So continuing through Jonah, sleeping in a, sleeping in a ship, doesn't care about God. Uh, but eventually, he continues his apathy and, he, and apathetically says, fine, I'm the one wrong here. I'm the one who brought about this storm because I didn't follow God. And he still doesn't really care. And then the guys are like, what should we do then? Like, since you follow this God, tell us. We want to follow him too. And Jonah's like, you know what? I don't care. Just kill me. Throw me overboard. What? Dude, are you kidding me? God's telling you exactly what to do, and you are so apathetic that you'd rather die than to see relationships restored with 100,000 people? Come on, man. But it's, it seems like Jonah finally learns his lesson in chapter two. It's really sweet. He's in, like everyone knows, Jonah gets swallowed by a whale or a fish. Depends on your theological train of thought. We can talk about it later. Anyways, he gets swallowed up by this fish, and in the fish, he has this moment of, I am in the wrong. I have done God wrong, and I need, to, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent that I've caused him wrong. And what does he do? He does that. And God is so kind, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love that he forgives Jonah, and he, asks the, he makes the whale, the fish, 
spit him out, vomit him. And then once again, God doesn't stop pursuing Jonah because he cares about him so much. He tells him, Jonah, go again, arise and go to Nineveh and tell them of the evil that they've done. So he goes to Nineveh, and obviously Jonah's changed in the whale. He is so forgiving, so kind. He's like a dove. He is so faithful to God's words, and he's going to give this great sermon and tell them, God want, you've done so much evil. God wants you to repent because he loves you so much, and he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Turn to him and believe. He's obviously going to give a message like that, right? No. He sucks. He gives this terrible message. He goes, yep, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the reason this message sucks is because this word overthrown has two nuances in Hebrew. It can mean one of two things. <clears throat> one, it can mean turn upside down. So if you were to turn something upside down, it would destroy the whole thing. That's one nuance of it. And obviously, our friend Jonah here, he thinks it's that. He wants that. He would rather see these people get turned upside down, destroyed, than to have forgiveness and be restored. But the other nuance is a really beautiful thing, is the overthrown means also to turn around, which means that you're going one direction, and then you turn from going that way to another. You turn from going down a bad path to going down a good path, to going down the wrong path, to going down the right path. And yet, God is so kind and doesn't run away and so caring for Jonah and the people of Nineveh that even when he puts these words in Jonah's mouth and he says this, all of the people of Nineveh respond in that way of they turn around from their wicked ways. All, all of them, all of them hear this message and they start repenting. They go, I am in the wrong. I've hurt God. I've done evil to him and I am so sorry. This message gets passed along throughout the whole city of Nineveh all the way to the king and the king goes, listen up everyone. We're all doing this. We all need to repent because we have done evil to God and it shouldn't just be us. It's this really crazy scene where it's not just the people. He's like, even your cattle too, even your animals need to repent. It's this crazy scene. Everyone is so quick to be repentant that shouldn't be repentant. And yet they are. They see God's loving kindness and they turn from their ways. And it even says right here that when God saw what they did, he relented. He forgave them. It's so, this book is so good. But it doesn't just stop there. Obviously, Jonah sees these people turning around and he's gonna do the good and faithful and kind and gentle thing of going, yes, God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and I'm so grateful that he restored relationships with these people because they, they needed it just as much as me. We all need to be restored to God. We need good and healthy relationships. Nope, because obviously I keep doing this thing. No, he doesn't. He doesn't at all. Instead, he is so adamant about them being overthrown, turned upside down, destroyed, that he goes outside the city and he yells at God and gives them the worst comeback of all time. He says, I knew that you would do this. I knew that you are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and you would save these people. What a terrible comeback, but what a sweet, true, rich comeback to tell God of who he truly is. He really does love people. He doesn't run away. He cares for people so much. He's not apathetic towards them, not even apathetic towards Jonah. So Jonah goes and he sits outside the city and his waiting for these people to be destroyed is miserable for him. 
The sun is beating down on him. He's getting third-degree sunburns. His life is a wreck right now. But the crazy thing is, is that what ends up happening is that God sends a plant, this strange plant God sends, and it grows, and it covers Jonah, and it gives him shade. And actually, in the Bible, it says that he was exceedingly happy about this, that Jonah was exceedingly happy about a plant, which is like, I, I don't know anyone who's exceedingly happy about a plant. I know very few people. This is very strange to me. But he takes what's, what we wish that Jonah was doing is taking comfort in the fact that God is so kind to him and unrelenting and not running away but caring for Jonah so much. But that's not what Jonah's learning here. It's still something that he has to learn, which is why God also sends a very tiny worm and it eats the plant and the plant dies. And Jonah once again obviously goes, you know what, this is an analogy, I know it. It's an analogy for the way that I treat people. I'm caring more about this plant than the people of Nineveh. I should have known this. God, you were so kind and so merciful. I should have known this. No, he freaks out about a plant dying. He's like, this, this brought me comfort. This brought me safety. Oh, that I would die because I don't have a plant. Ah, are you kidding me right now? Are you kidding me, Jonah? You're not freaking out and super excited about the fact that a bunch of these people that don't know what good is, you're not excited about them? And that's, that's where we pick up this, this next part, this, this story right here in the text. It says in verse nine, but God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry about the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. It's like, what the heck, dude? <laughs> and the Lord said, you pity the plant, or you have compassion on the plant, is what some translations say. And for which you did not labor, you did not make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity and have compassion on Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who don't know their left hand from their right hand. Should I not have compassion on them, Jonah? Jonah, right here, when God tells, when God tells Jonah that you pitied the plant, that you didn't labor, and that you didn't work for, you didn't make it grow, I think this shows another reason why forgiveness is so hard for us. It's because forgiveness isn't comfortable. Forgiveness is not a plant that grows overnight and it doesn't shade us from the beating hot sun. It doesn't do that. Forgiveness means that you have to address the hurt and the pain that someone caused you. You not only have to address it, you have to face that person. And you have to tell them, you, you hurt me. You brought pain into my life. And we're not right. We're not where we used to be. We have to fix this. And it's not easy to say that. It takes a lot of courage that takes a lot, of, a lot of patience, too. But I think what we can learn from this is that, or what we can take from this is a, a question that Jonah is given. God says in verse 9, do you do well to be angry about the plant? And I think we can, we can change that for ourselves, too, because what we realize is, is that our anger towards other people just isn't in our thoughts, but it's also in our words, and it's also in our actions. So I, I ask you guys, do you do well to be angry in your thoughts? 
Do you do well to be angry in your words? Do you, do you do well to be angry in your actions? Does it do you well? Is it getting you what you want, this right relationship, these good, healthy relationships with one another? Is your anger doing that? See, you need to see what this, this book is doing to us. It's not just showing you a man and saying, yeah, man, I can't believe that he wouldn't forgive. I would never, I would never do that. But I do do that. I am just like Jonah. This book of Jonah holds a mirror up to you and goes, I, I am just like Jonah. And I am quick to not forgive. I am quick to be angry. And I am not loving. But luckily, there is a character in this book that, that is, doing, is doing that, who in forgiveness is caring about others, who isn't apathetic, who runs towards those relationships and lets them know of the hurt that they've caused, caused them. And he does it even when it's not comfortable. And that's, that's God. That's Yahweh. He's pursuant of Jonah. Even when Jonah runs away, he runs after him. Even when Jonah is apathetic, he says, Jonah, I care for you so much that I would even give you a plant to give you comfort and to, and to teach you, to try and teach you that forgiveness is needed. And even though that may be so uncomfortable for me, I'm, I'm doing it anyway because I love you, because I am slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. God's forgiveness empowers us to forgive others. That's what God is trying to show Jonah here, is he's trying to show him, I have forgiven you, Jonah. Can you forgive others? Ninevites, I have forgiven you. Will you forgive one another? I know forgiveness is hard and we can't do it on our own. We have to have, we have to have God. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit to grant us those things to grant us this power to forgive. And I've, I've seen this in my own life as well because Matt and I, yeah, we didn't have a good run in middle school and high school, but a few years ago, I messaged him on Facebook because I don't really see him, but I messaged him and I said, dude, it's been weighing on my heart that I have not repented of what I've done to you. We are not, we are not good, and I know that it is because of what I've done. And I am so sorry, man, for bullying you and insulting you and making fun of you in middle school and high school. Please forgive me for what I've done. Matt didn't message me for a while, but I think it's because of this instance, this instance that the Lord put in my life where I went to PDQ to lunch one time, and strangely enough, I ran into Matt, and I was so happy to see him, and I said, dude, hey, how are you doing? And he told me about his wife and his family, and it was so happy, and I said, hey man, I need to let you know that what, what I put on I sent you on Facebook, I mean it. I am so sorry for all the bullying and the insulting that I did to you in middle school and high school. And you know what Matt did? Because he desires to have relation, good and healthy relationships with others, he did the right thing that followers of Christ did and he forgave me even though I was so unkind and so mean to him. He said, I forgive you, man. I'm looking past that. I'm moving past that. And if that forgiveness isn't enough to stir something in your hearts, then look to the life of Jesus. He gives us a command in his, uh, and he gives us a command when we pray. He says, 
when we pray, this is how you should pray. Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And not only that, when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, right before he gets put on a cross to forgive you and I of our sins, he goes, Father, this is so uncomfortable for me. Please let this cup pass from me. Please, I don't want to run away, though. I want to run towards you. I want relationship with all these people. So not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will. And Jesus was so not apathetic about forgiveness because it says in Romans 5 it says that, but God showed his love towards us. That's not apathetic. To show love towards someone is definitely not apathetic. But God shows his love towards us that while we were enemies, while we were the liars, the stealers, the cheaters, the bullies, he died for us and gave himself up for us so that he could reconcile us to himself. And if that's not good enough, if you'd think, no, it's so uncomfortable to forgive other people, dude, Jesus forgave all of his enemies when it was most uncomfortable. He is on the cross and he says that he looks down at them, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus' forgiveness is so amazing and so restorative and he wants it for you and I. He knows it's possible. He knows it's only possible through him. Will you continue to hold on to anger or will you forgive? Jesus wants us to have relationships that are restored by repentance without expectation. He wants that for us. And we can do that by forgiving one another. Let's pray. Lord, you are, you are a good, kind, and loving Father. You were slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you do, you do not look past injustice, but you hear it crying out to you. Lord, we are so grateful that your mercy and your grace is abundant and that you forgive us uh, while we were enemies so that you restore us back into relationship with you. Lord, please let us be a people that are following after you, that restore relationships with one another by repenting and without expectation of return. Jesus, you're the best, and we love you. Amen.